Moving on to the last stage here, which is the late stage. Um, this is when you know you're a bigger company. You might be pre-IPO. The stakes are much higher at this stage, right? You're you're more high profile in the public. You're more noticeable to regulators, so it increases the likelihood that a regulator would come after you if something bad happens. You know, you have the data of more people. More people would be impacted if there's a data breach. So the stakes are also much higher. Um, and so, and at this stage, a lot of times you'll the disclosures and the external notices will become a lot more detailed and a lot more granular. So instead of having, you know, one privacy notice, you might have a privacy notice for different stakeholders. Like you might have a privacy notice for job candidates, for employees, for end users, for customers, for vendors. Um, and it can be, you know, very de detailed. Um, and I think at this stage is also where you really start to see the limits of what you can do with disclosures, um, because at this point you already probably have your strategic, you know, privacy risk mitigation framework set, and there's only so much you can disclose, right? You can disclose everything that you're doing and you can make those as good as possible. Um, but I think at this stage is when you really see those limits and you know, you can have the best disclosures, but if there's a data breach, something bad happens and you don't have the internal programs to prevent that from happening, then that's, you know, you're, you're gonna be hugely exposed um, from a risk standpoint. Um, Catherine, yeah, so, Catherine yeah. maybe a, a question. Um, you were talking about the different types of data and, uh, you know, personally identifiable information or personally identifiable data. I know a number of companies struggle with the, with the concept of you know the IP address or unique identifiers, um, even if those are you know just a you know a hash, not a, you know a name. Um, what what are your thoughts on how, you know, in that spectrum of of startup stages, you know how should companies think about that? I, I what are your yeah what are your thoughts? Um, I would say from, so from a regulatory standpoint, that is considered PII. So, you know, as it relates to disclosures, even though, you know, obviously having someone's IP address is not the same as having their name and address, physical address, um, you would still need to talk and, you know, be transparent about what you're doing with that information. I think from an internal standpoint, it's reasonable and practical to treat that data as lower risk than you know, someone's social security number. Um, and I think you know, it, it, at the very early stage with, without kind of more solid and uh, extensive programs in place, um, really doing that common sense risk assessment internally, um, I think that's gonna be key when it comes to like, well, you know, all of this falls under the regulatory definition of PII, but what do I really do with it in practice? Yeah, yeah, no, that's helpful. I think um, you know one of the things that I've also seen companies do is is really ask, and this you know maybe a bit of a segue uh, once you're once you're finished, but really ask how long do we need data that might be questionable, right? And it, do we need it for a long period of time? And if we don't, well then maybe it's just easier to not have it. Um, but you know, please 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 finish before I we, we segue over to Marcus. Uh, yeah, so that, that was actually it. My segue was going to be, you know, the late stage really shows the limits of what external disclosures can do. And you really start to see the importance of internal programs at that point, um, which I know is something that, you know, Marcus is going to uh, share about. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Catherine. So, so Marcus, we've, we've created our privacy statement. We've got a cookie disclosure or a cookie banner. Um, and we're going to evolve our statement as we mature as a company. Um, and we're going to make sure that it's, it's accurate, not puffery or aspirational. I think as Catherine said, I really like that. Um, a lot of times companies want to look good, um, but it isn't actually what they do. And it's more important to be truthful. Um, but so now I've created this attention with this privacy notice that I need, um, but I really don't have a lot of money, particularly at the seed stage to hire a chief privacy officer. I, how do I start to think about the program behind the notice and the disclosures um, as I move forward through the, the stages of growth? Yeah, well, I think it starts with, you know, knowing what you are and what you aren't, you know, your business model. Are you a service provider? Or are you not a service provider? So, you know, in, in privacy, you really have three obligations. You might be directly collect customer information. If you're, if you're, if you're a B2C company, uh, you have HR data to always worry about, but that's higher, higher order thinking. And then you might be a service provider. You might, other companies might use your product in a ways that trigger privacy controls. So you need to know who you are and what your program covers. Um, in terms of that early stage, you know, you've got a, a, a user privacy notice or you know, a privacy statement up front. Your goal of your program is to cover your fundamentals, your high risk areas. You know, have you, can, you, can you meet operationally the commitments you've made either by choice or by force in your privacy statement? So you know, data subject rights or accurate, you know, retention obligations, whatever commitments you've made in that forward facing notice, you really have to make sure you have at least a semblance of a program. So it starts with the fundamentals, um, the basics, really this, you know, the hierarchy of needs. Are you, most people focus on the information security, the, the, the CIA, the confidentiality, integrity and availability of any personal information you have. Is it protected? Is it safe? That's a, that's a maturity discussion, not only from a consumer's perspective, this is what most people assume privacy means to them, that their data is kept secure, but most companies deal with this first. They deal with perimeter security and, and you know, all the things you would think of. So I think that's your first order effect is, are you fundamentally protecting uh, the data you have? And then do you have fundamental uh, privacy controls around how you use it, how you might have to give you know, copies of it out, and are you retaining it? I think that next level, when you move to that next phase, now you're talking, okay, you've got the fundamentals in place. You've got an information security program that's reasonably, you know, the, the laws talk about a reasonable security. You know, you know, do you, given the data you collect, are you protecting it in a way that would be considered reasonable to, to the outside world? That next set is some of the more mature processes. Are you now subject to the CCPA or GDPR where you've got this obligation to provide these additional rights? Are you now doing more complex things on your website with regards to cookies and marketing and trackers? So your business will probably be maturing, your uses of data will probably be maturing and you'll need to have even more mature program components in place to be able to say you can meet those obligations. You know, it doesn't do any good to have what we call a shelfware privacy notice up where you can't even say you meet at least the core fundamental uh, commitments in there. In fact, it would be itself a violation of the FTC rules on 
fair or deceptive trade practices. Um, I think here's where the concept of privacy by design also kicks in. You know, what data do you need to, to be successful? What's your business model? Do you know, what, what is it you're providing and what personal information needs to be consumed by that, that business engine or whatever to be successful and making sure that you're not collecting more than you need or you're collecting things that have minor, minor value but major impact. So here's where that fundamental thinking about privacy separate from information security. Why do you have the data? Who has access to it? How are you using it? Are you now disclosing it in ways that might trigger opt-out requirements? So Mark, I think- Marcus, a quick question for you. Sure. You said, um, you know, really evaluate the data that you're collecting and, you know, don't collect what you don't need. Um, you know, we all know, cause we're in the space that the, you know, the business response to that is, well, if I don't collect it, I don't know if I'm going to need it. Yeah. And, and when I'm collecting it, you know, I don't have time to flush through immediately whether or not I need that for a long-term, you know, later use and a future product. And so I want to collect it and I want to keep it until I don't know, you know, until I don't need it at a some date later on. How, what, what are your recommendations well, for, think, for people to manage that? I think we've seen that strategy fail. That was Facebook strategy early on was we can't limit our collection because at some point some really smart engineer might come up with some new use of that data and we want to be able to exploit it. I think those days are past. I think with California CCPA, with CPRA, the new law that's coming past the California law, I think the days of collect it and we'll find a use for it later are probably done. And it's not good business. It's not good from a, from a, IT perspective, from a COVID perspective, that means more storage and more and more expense there. So I think the pushback there is 